DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith's past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. In April of 2018, Pope Francis issued an apostolic exhortation entitled Gaudete et Exaltate. An apostolic exhortation is a type of communication from the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. It encourages a community of people to undertake particular activity, but does not define church doctrine. It is considered a document lower in nature than, say, a papal encyclical but it is higher than other ecclesiastical letters, apostolic letters, and other papal writings. Apostolic exhortations are more commonly issued in response to an assembly of the Synod of Bishops, in which case they are known as post-synodal apostolic exhortations. But in this case, Pope Francis wanted to encourage the people of God to that universal call to holiness in today's world. In this episode, Archbishop Lucas will reflect on this particular apostolic exhortation and address chapters 1 on the call to holiness and begin the conversation on chapter 2, which addresses two heresies prevalent in the world today, that of Gnosticism and Pelagianism. We now begin our conversation with Archbishop George Lucas. Gaudete et exaltate. I always get excited when I can use my high school Latin. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Normally documents from the Holy See take their title from the initial words. You know, as we picture Pope Francis, the photos we see of him are we, we picture him moving around St. Peter's Square at, the, at an audience or something. Title Rejoice and be glad seems to fit him. That, that's usually written all over his face, and, and it's usually the reaction of the people who are with him. So, it's, of course, it's not about him. But his encouragement, you know, to be joyful in what's offered to us in, in our life in, in the risen Christ, that's very characteristic of him, I think. The subtitle of this document is On the Call to Holiness in Today's World. Now, that is the challenge, isn't it? How do we live out this call, particularly in today's culture? The Pope is very down-to-earth and practical, as, as we know. And so I think that's his hope is for us to think of the call to holiness not as some distant call or something that's intended for people in another time and place. He's inviting us to believe that that invitation, that call is given to us right here and now. We both hear it and respond to it in the culture in which we live, which is always a mixture of of pluses and minuses. Throughout this whole document, he really maintains that this is possible, that this really is possible. And he gives us 
so many examples of those saints who were just ordinary people who did extraordinary things through grace. We um, have this beautiful experience in, in our life in Christ of being part of the communion of saints. So we know that we're incorporated into that communion, into that fellowship, if you want to say, uh, at baptism. So really everyone who's invited into the church and received into the church has that association, we might say, with, with the saints and is on a path to, to sainthood. In a sense, we know at baptism, God's plan for us is expressed, you know, that he wants us to live forever. In other words, he wants us to have life in his household, share the life of the Trinity. In other words, God's plan is that we be saints. So that, that call is made explicit, and both for the individual, but also for the, in the context of the whole church at the time of baptism. So we're, we're part of the communion of saints. We have the beautiful practice of canonizing some saints, so of recognizing that some were, could be seen as practicing or living heroic virtue or responding to heroic challenges. So we hold them up, we venerate them, and we give thanks to God for their great example. But I think the Holy Father, without in any way trying to cut them down to size or diminish their heroic virtue, uh, their holiness, wants us to realize that the saints are more like us and we're more like them than, than we might ordinarily realize. So while we hold them in high esteem, they also are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and he invites us actually to kind of see them as our neighbors on the, the pilgrimage to our Father's house. He speaks of the middle class of holiness. Now, the middle class of holiness, Now, that's not a belittlement at all, is it? It's a, actually a wonderful encouragement. Because the saints start out as, as ordinary people, and the Blessed Mother, as an exception, we all start out as, as sinners. We're tainted by the effects of original sin, and then, sadly, make our own sinful choices. Some of us are terrible sinners before you know, we really are, have determined to set our feet on the path to, to sanctity. Again, I think the, the Pope wants us to realize that the call to holiness is a, is a tremendous blessing and a tremendous gift and, and opportunity that we have. It's God's plan for us in the kingdom of God and in his son, Jesus Christ. And we begin our response where we are in our very ordinary circumstances. And a few saints became saints overnight, perhaps, but most of us, it's a lifetime's journey. And Pope Francis wants us to be encouraged that this is for you and, and for me. And to, to see that even the, the greatest saints often struggled because of their lowliness, because of their poverty, because of their lack of formal education, because of their lack of standing in the secular society, really struggled with whether their lives were really important in God's plan. And they came to understand that because of God's favor, they had sort of unlimited life opening in, in front of them in the life of grace. I found it really interesting that he referred to an article that was written by the 20th century the great theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar which was entitled Theology and Holiness. And in that, it talks of how we are to look at the person of the saint as not necessarily someone who was perfect, but someone who, by looking to the totality of their life, the overall effect of their life, they led people to Christ. Now, for us, I think that's... that is a source of incredible encouragement because, you know, I might have a tendency to look back on maybe my early adulthood and say, boy, I really screwed up here. I screwed up there. There's no chance for me. I really messed up. I might have messed up when I was younger. I might have messed up yesterday, you know, or, or earlier today. So our, um, we um, falter sometimes in our determination to respond to the Lord and, and to follow him. Uh, Pope Francis, uh, again, is is exhorting us and 
encouraging us to see that we are called to be saints. In other words, we're called to be the people that God has created us to be, to fulfill our, our potential to, to live, not just in this world, but, but to live forever. In a sense, to be people of integrity. Sometimes we hear the expression that holiness and wholeness go together. And that's true because the because holiness means that, that we're cooperating with grace so that the effects of sin can be overcome. And the fragmentation that results from, from sin, fragmentation within us or within the community among us, that that brokenness can be healed. And more and more we can be drawn together within ourselves and, and together in Christ. And that is really constitutive of the growth in holiness. That's what he says in this document. He points out that it's not just about you, that it is about the community as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the call to holiness is not just a gift for me. Uh, it is, certainly. And, and if I respond and receive this gift to be incorporated into the life of the Trinity and, and to grow into the man I'm created to be, that's a great blessing for me, certainly. But it's given to me not just for me, but so that I can enrich the, the holiness of the community of believers, and by my own yes to the call of Jesus, and by my own willingness to grow in the life of holiness, to grow in a life of virtue, that I become a, an attraction for others, who not because I'm showing off or trying to force anything on them, uh, but because holiness is attractive. And within the life of someone who's responding to this call is also an attraction to others, that they too might see themselves called to this dignity and, and might have the encouragement to respond to the Lord's invitation in their own life. Another really interesting thing that he brings up in this opening section of the document is what he describes as the genius of women. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised that he would bring up, of course, those great doctors of the church, Hildegard of Bingen, um, Teresa of Avalod, Therese of Lisieux, Catherine of Siena. But... What's kind of surprising is that he mentions another woman. Out of all the saints, he makes a point of mentioning St. Bridget of Sweden, which at first I thought, well, that's a curious thing. Why would he mention Bridget? But then on the other hand, here is this woman who is a wife, a mother, a foundress, deep contemplative, but very active in the world. She's someone who women today can totally, that this type of holiness is also applicable to the overwhelming majority of women in the world who are themselves wives, mothers, those who work in the world. And I think the Pope is inviting us sort of to look back at the sort of the sweep of the history of of Christianity and, and certainly in ages before our own, and still very much today, we would understand that women were, in the eyes of the world, often powerless and perhaps uneducated, you know, in, in terms of scholarship. That's certainly not true universally at all. But I think it's, a, it's one of the ways of, of the Holy Father certainly inviting women in particular to hear the call to, to holiness, but, but asking us all to recognize that in every age and in every place, God calls the people who he calls, and he equips them with what they need to grow in holiness, grow into the, the people that they have been created to be. So that even in a moment in history when a woman or a man, but he holds up the the example of these saintly women, even though they wouldn't have been much in the eyes of the world, they were favored by God and invited as disciples of Jesus to grow in in holiness, and they responded and had a tremendous effect on the life of the church then and still. That emphasis he places on the workings of grace, you see it 
in the lives of both men and women who have been lifted up in the realm of the blessed and those of the saints. He continues to encourage, it's for you too. And he actually says, do not be afraid of holiness. Do you think we are, Archbishop? Do you think we're afraid of holiness? Um, Perhaps. Um, I I think the the Pope thinks we might be. uh, That's why he's uh, encouraging us in this way. Certainly, at least, I think many of us are, maybe think we should put it off. You know, that like I think those we read about in the scriptures who were initially called by Jesus or even some of the prophets of the Old Testament, you know, sometimes our initial reaction when when we're called uh, to cooperate with with God's plan for us is is to think, you must have the wrong person. Or, um, you know, I may get around to that sometime, but right now I don't think I'm up to it or I'm not good enough or or something. So whether that's a fear or a... I think the Pope is on to something, really, that, that we're afraid to let go of what we know, uh, afraid maybe we get comfortable with our limitations, even with, with sinful practices. The devil leads us to, to think that we, aren't, that we are not good enough to, to be saints. That's a lie, of course, but that's believable. It's tempting to think it. So like Jesus himself did with his first disciples and the others have done, Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul, uh, very famously exhorting us not to be afraid. And I think that we hear that exhortation again and again. We hear it now from Pope Francis because there is this sort of lingering fear and the devil encourages us to sort of live in that fear that this, you know, if I step out and respond to the invitation to the Lord and begin to respond to this invitation to holiness, I'm going to fall flat because I am really not cut out for this. Again, that's not true. What Pope Francis is telling us here is you are cut out for it, you, you and I, and it's really what we're made for. We can, you know, sort of at least put it off St. Augustine did that famously, but others too. You know, we just think, well, maybe I'll get on the right path someday, but I'm not quite ready to give up what seems to make me happy, what what seems to give me my security now. It's important that in every age we hear that, all that exhortation, don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the Lord. Don't be afraid of of the call to holiness, which is really a call to life in him. I think he says something to us that is challenging, but in a very good way. He says, quote, Just as you cannot understand Christ apart from the kingdom he came to bring, so too your personal mission is inseparable from the building up of that kingdom. Each of us has a purpose. I think we lose a sense of that because we get so caught up in the day-to-day. We lose a sense of that. We work, we have our families, we have to maybe go to school, we have what we might perceive more as a secular mission out there. And we may not think or perceive that God has a personal mission that he's created you for that is yours alone. That's true. And we got caught up in our personal striving, in our own plans, which may not be evil, but they're small and uh, bear fruit in this world, but they don't bear fruit or store up a treasure that, that will last. The invitation from, from Jesus is to think bigger about ourselves, about, about what God has in mind for us to have, begin to get an eternal frame of, frame of reference. But what you said a few moments ago is certainly true, and it's, it's important that we realize that today, now in the 21st century, we can't really think of Jesus without the church. We can't think of the church with, without Jesus. This mystical body of Jesus, the, we're incorporated into his living body. So if we're going to meet Jesus in his integrity, it's because of the presence and the life and the mission of the, of the church in the world. And, of course, Jesus is the head of the church, so the, the church is not a human organization and not, not a, just a group of, of people who decide to associate together for good purposes, but it, we're responding to the invitation of Jesus, and it, it's Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit whom he sends to the church that give us our identity and purpose. 
Pope Francis, from this point forward in the apostolic exhortation, he tries to help us to understand what that personal mission might be for us and how ultimately that helps the church. And in doing that, he wants you to know right up front, the spiritual director that he is, that you will indeed have an enemy who will try to stop you. It's teaching of the two standards that comes forth from the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And he lays out two, in particular, forms of evil that can really trip us up. And we are completely unaware, I think, of the danger of these heresies. I think we think of them as ancient heresies, Gnosticism and Pelagianism. But Pope Francis speaks of a contemporary Gnosticism, a contemporary Pelagianism. Mm -hmm. How many people mention those in the confessional? Not not too many these days. <laughs> no, I dare say I haven't in a while. I, no, I think that's true. Sure. It's, um, these are um, tendencies, temptations. Again, the, you know, the devil's at work always to take something that starts out as good or can be seen as good and then, and then twist it or invite us to twist it in a way that actually pulls us off track or off uh, target. So the heresies, uh, these are manifestations of heresies in the history of the church, but the Pope says they're not gone. You know, they're not just historical problems. They're, they're with us still. Heresies are lies, basically. They're distortion of the truth, but often in a way that is somewhat believable. So that's, that's why it's easy to fall into them. Like other temptations of the devil, you know, if they weren't attractive, we wouldn't even look that way. But Pope Francis has taught about these two uh, contemporary manifestations of uh, age-old uh, heresies he's taught about before, but he does it in a more formal way in this apostolic exhortation. And, and so I think we should see them uh, and, and he holds them up as, as these are temptations, tendencies that pull us off the path that leads to holiness. And we sometimes get pulled off pretty far before we, we realize, because we may even be desiring holiness, but we fall into some traps or some deficiencies, we, we might say, in, in thinking and practice that really are taking us to a dead end. What is the saying that 80 or 90% of rat poison is a delicious food? It's the... 10% that's going to kill you. And I think that's true of Gnosticism. And maybe in the Western culture, it's even more prevalent. Can you help us, Archbishop Lucas, to understand what Gnosticism is? As you say, it's, it can be prevalent in Western culture because of the Enlightenment, although it was existed long be, before then. But it's, it's a tendency to, to think that, that, first of all, I can have all the answers. And then once I have all the answers, that that it's sort of like getting an A on the test, you know, that I've sort of accomplished holiness and that I've sort of crossed the, the threshold in terms of my relationship with God and that God sort of has to accept this credential of mine as knowing everything. And then the tendency then is also to look down on people that don't know as much as I do or people who think differently, who, who come at things differently. At the root always is a challenge to our faith and the, the basic invitation of faith is to accept that God is God and that I'm not. And you know, if we want to put it this way, God has all the answers, but I don't have anywhere near all the answers. And I can never see the richness of God's plan and God's understanding, uh, either of my relationship with God or the relationship we have together in Christ. But we, uh, as a result of the Enlightenment, particularly in our Western culture, we like the answers and we like data. We think that that somehow gives weight. And in certain categories, it does, of course. But the call to holiness is, uh, is different. So Pope's not encouraging us to be stupid or to, to be satisfied with wrong answers. And he himself is not stupid, and you know he's following two brilliant 
Holy Fathers, you know, who were very clear in their understanding of how important it is that we have good teaching and that as many people as possible understand as much as we can about the richness of our faith. But we can't be satisfied or think that we're really on the path of holiness simply because we're studying and and getting the right answers. Related to that understanding of Gnosticism is a kind of a, a snobbish sense that certain of us have sort of the inside information and that many people don't know what's really going on in the church or what, what the liturgy really means or you know, can't really understand the Ten Commandments or you pick the category, it doesn't matter. And so there's a kind of an exclusivity which is you know, totally opposed to the, this call to holiness and to the experiencing and, and living the, the Beatitudes. But it creeps in and, and it can creep in on, you know, if we want to use the terms, on both the left and the right. So in, no matter where we might find ourselves on the spectrum, or how others might categorize us, the temptation to hold on to a, a secret or a special knowledge of things as our key or our pass you know, to, to eternal life. So it just, the Pope kind of blows that apart, saying that's way too, you're thinking in way too narrow terms. And really you're, in that way, trying to eliminate the mystery or thinking you can somehow get your hands around the mystery of God's love for us in, in Jesus Christ, uh, the mystery of grace, the depth of God's mercy, all of these things which really defy human categories and defy percentages or what we might call, you know, probabilities are right answers. You know, God's uh, in- initiative just overwhelms our human categories. It doesn't mean that God can't be known, and it doesn't mean that our faith is, is irrational, just the opposite. But w- we go so far with our human reason and our human understanding, and then, hey, faith needs to, to be the operative principle, and, and faith needs to be our our trust, but also our joy that we're in the hands of a loving God and not in the hands of human plotting. You know, sometimes I think that at the very base of all of this, I think if there is something about that that need in our hearts to have some control, that if I can know everything and I can understand everything, I'm safe. And for some of those folks out there who fall into this trap, there may be that real presence of a fear that they haven't been able to identify. They, they what is it? The opposite of fear is faith. And having that control and having that understanding can give us a certain type of power in which even in our dealings with others, that somehow I know more than them, I'm on sure ground than them, I can feel more safe around them. There's a temptation always to look down on somebody. And so we look down on the more ignorant people, people that don't have this, the answer that I, that I have. So there's all kinds of things wrong with it. You know, that, again, it draws us off of the, of the path and draws us away from the mystery, um, which, which is the, uh, what, uh, uh, how we're saved. It's God's plan. For our salvation is the mystery, his love for us in Jesus, and our willingness to give ourselves to that and to be incorporated in, into that mystery. That's, the, that's where the growth in holiness will be experienced, and, and that's how we will be saved. You've talked about this in the past, Archbishop Lucas, in the area of the new evangelization, that if we can just stop and really listen to another person, just listen to what they're saying, what they're revealing to us, you might be amazed at what you'll hear and what you can learn, not only about them, but maybe a little something about ourselves and maybe more about God. Again, typical of Pope Francis, you know, he, he's, he invites us to that kind of accompaniment. 
in our relationship with others. And it's part of, as, as we talked earlier, of our responsibility as disciples of Jesus to offer uh, life in Christ and offer the gospel as an attraction to others, to off- offer it as a gift. Often we enter into a situation where we think, you know, I'll just give somebody the answer. You know, I'll tell them what's the right thing to do. And, of course, we don't want people to be in ignorance, and, and we, don't, we like to help somebody if we can to keep from you know, making a big mistake. But it may surprise us to learn that not everybody's just waiting to get the answer from, from, from you and me. They would perhaps accept accompaniment, accept friendship, accept compassion, accept prayer, you know, something that in our life of holiness we, we can readily share that's given because, because we've experienced it and it's been given to us as a grace. And at some point, and it's really part of our blessing in the church, you know, we do have a, a beautiful body of teaching. And, and uh, I love the catechism of the Catholic Church. It's full of, of teaching and of ways to help us understand the truth of, of God's plan for us and life-giving way for us to, to respond. But Pope Francis comes back again and again to the fact that we don't necessarily lead with, with doctrine. So, you know, even in, at our best in, in terms of our understanding of the truth, the revealed truth that's, that's uh, articulated in in our Catholic faith. It's, that, that is a great gift and a, a beautiful part of our life of holiness. It's not at all opposed to it, and it's not divorced from, from it at all. But it, it, it's not our own accomplishment. It's not our own making, something of our own making. Gnosticism, by its very nature, feeds into pride, as opposed to the great calling to the virtue of humility, a humility that will say that I don't know everything, that I desire to learn more, and maybe I can learn that through you. Mm-hmm. Well, and it feeds into a sense of exclusivity, which is opposed to the universal call to, to holiness, the fact that there's a certain group that will have the answers, be able to understand, but everybody else is kind of left out. So it, it can encourage that fear that the, uh, the Pope talks about where the majority of us think, well, I'm never going to be smart enough to know everything that Thomas Aquinas knew, so I might as well might as well just give up. Well, we're able to understand what we need to understand, and we should always be happy to understand more. That's part of our, our human nature, how, how God has made us. And our, our faith seeks understanding. That's part of our tradition. But we're not saved by our understanding. We're saved by God's grace and in Jesus Christ. And then it's our joy and our privilege to understand more about what that means and how that works. But it's God who does the saving. We'll continue our conversation with Archbishop George Lucas exploring the apostolic exhortation by Pope Francis entitled Gaudete et Exaltate in our next episode. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, Along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, We hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.